as we'll discuss, I don't spend a lot of time on camera. Mm. Um, certainly not with this thing, but... What, with yeah. that face? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at it. I look like Peter Griffin, stubble. But do I have a big nose? Look at me from the side. Do I look different to you? <laughs> there's, your, there's your intro. <laughs> I'm absolutely delighted uh, for this podcast to invite on my good friend and sometimes colleague, uh, CJ Brooks, often known online as CJ Brooks FM. 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 I, I was almost expecting kind of a wrestling type of introduction there, like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live all the way from wherever he lives, CJ Brooks. Yes, he's big. He's fat. His beard <laughs> fell off recently. It's CJ Brooks. You just said the same thing twice. There, he's big and he's fat. You know, it's like when I people say, I, old, I, old. "I have very little to go with." I mean, what he, <laughs> he wears glasses <laughs> and a hat. <laughs> he's a gamer. I wonder where you're going with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like when people say old age, old aged pensioner. It's like saying the same thing three times over. Yes, yes, it is. Right? Yeah. Anyway, en enough derailment for me. I, do you know what? I've never thought of that, old age pensioners. I mean, talk about kicking them when they're down. Right? <laughs> you're, you're old, you're of age, and you're a pensioner. Now, get out. Yep. Um, Just get in the sea. Yeah. So, anyway, um, back, to, back to my introduction uh, for you. Um, you're a podcaster. Um, you're a gamer, and you're a YouTuber. I am. You might just generalize all of that as content creator. As content creator, um, yeah. and gamer, because and you know, being a gamer doesn't make you a content creator. No, that's right. Um, but most importantly, uh, you were uh half of the um the hosting, um duo of the tuesday show with cj and ted and what a great show it was what a great show it was i almost feel like it should come back what are you, what are you feeling season five i i feel like maybe a season five <laughs> how, how many how many episodes were in season four three like three or four maybe yeah, I, I think it was only three okay <laughs> <laughs> it was only three before i threw my papers in the air and went screw this shit <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this show? I don't know. Well, you have done so. Okay. Hey hey. Um. Yeah. Um. We no, actually, help. it will be four episodes because uh, we are going to do a, a Christmas special, uh, which somehow still fits into the series that uh, started and ended ended um, in the very early months of this year. Was that really this early year? this year? I don't Was know. It? I mean, I don't so know. so much has happened this year. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still struggling with the idea that we're nearly at the end of 2023. Mm. You know, it, it literally feels like only a couple of months ago I'm saying, "Oh my god, it's 2023." Yeah, and I know that sounds like a real cliche, and everybody says it, especially as you get older. It's like, where does the time go? Mm. You know, this happened, and the next thing you know, it's Christmas again, and 
but genuinely i'm i'm feeling like that at the moment i'm like where on earth has this year gone it's just been a roller coaster well it's not even enough time to sort of recalibrate and think to yourself because every year you think yeah 2023 it's going to be my year um for about a week uh and then you realize it's just going to be the same as all the others yeah um so i haven't really got to the point where i've come to terms with the fact that 2023 is going to an end so i i'm not even in the 2024 2024 yeah next year why do we say it like that 2024 Do, I, I keep on saying 2024 that's a yeah. bit of a mouthful yeah i'll say i, I would have thought 2024 is easier than 2000 yeah 2024 yeah. In the year of our law, two thousand and twenty-four. Yeah, it's a bit. Of, yeah, it's a bit much. Um, FM. Yep. Yeah, FM. Twenty twenty-four is um, is the is the year that I will be starting to um, express the year as twenty twenty-four and so on. Okay, is that your New Year's resolution? That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean to. To, to even throw other confusion in the mix as well. So uh, where I deal with a lot of finance stuff at work in my day job. Um, and we always refer to the financial year as the next year. So at the moment, we're in F FY24, so financial year ending right. 24. Yeah. Um, so come April 2024, we'll then be talking about FY25, financial mm -hmm. year 2025. And it's like, I can't wrap my head around it most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm always like, oh no, this year's FY23 because we're in 2023, but no, it's when it ends, which is FY24. Yeah. So. yeah. I suppose it's even more complicated if you're if you're at, uh, at all working with uh, the Chinese because they have they have different year starts as well, don't they? Um, yeah. And you know, you'll be saying, oh no, it's it's year financial year starting twenty ending 2024, and they're like. No, it's the year of the badger here. Oh, that's it's financial year badger. <laughs> <laughs> you can't put that in. Oh, I don't even know what year it is. Actually, was it rat or something? Oh, it, I have it, no it, idea. Or fox. But should we? Should we find out? We could find out, or we could just rely on people in the comments. Yeah, yeah. Tell us in the comments, folks. In the Sorry, comments. I, I'm they not post... hosting here. You are. Go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. talking of um, talking of content creation, uh, well, we weren't. We were talking about years, but uh, let, let's talk about the whole new year, new start. But the old year, two thousand and twenty-three. Yeah, I've done it again. Twenty twenty-three, <laughs> as as was and still is. Uh, what have you been doing in terms of content creation since you jumped the Good Ship Tuesday show? Well, since I, you know, took a walk off the plank of HMS TTS, um, I uh, so I've actually really tried to accelerate my the gaming side of my content creation. Mm -hmm. um, so I've kind of dabbled in it for a couple of years now, and I think my first real in endeavor into content creation came in, I want to say, 2020, um, which was obviously year of COVID, um, or the year COVID really took hold of the world and, and shut it down. Um, to such a point that come Christmas 2020, um, I didn't actually go out. I didn't meet my family. I actually stayed at home on my own um, Christmas Day 2020 and decided it would be a good idea to drink an entire, an entire bottle of bourbon um, and then try to stream a game on Twitch. Um, right. That game was Cyberpunk 2077, um, and it was terrible. 
Um, I went back and watched it the following day. I wasn't hungover, but I went back to watch it the next day, and I just thought, this is so bad. But that was my real first endeavor into content creation. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, I've just kind of dabbled. I've kind of gone in and out of um, motivation, you know, a motivational space with it all. Um, and this year, kind of following, like I say, my departure from TTS, I, I really decided it was what I wanted to do. I really wanted to focus on the gaming side. I really, really enjoy playing games um, as a way to relax, especially after a working day, um, as a way to spend my weekends. Um, and I thought, what better way to try and learn new skills than to create content out of it? So this year, I've been spending a lot of time trying to learn new skills about content creation, about um, editing processes, sound design, um, and really try and push my, my YouTube career forward um, with varying degrees of success, I'll say. Mm. You got to the point now. How many how many videos have we got up? Oh God, now you're asking. I don't know this question beforehand. I could have prepared. So uh, many, you you can't even count. <laughs> I think there's about seventy videos up right really? now. Yeah, I mean that's including some of the older stuff. I mean, yeah, I've yeah. I've deleted some really old stuff before, mm -hmm. um, just because I've I've gone back to watch it again and gone, oh my god, this is just so terrible. Um, whether it's sound quality is bad, the video quality is bad. I, it's just boring. Um, I've just gotten rid of it. But I think, hang on, it's gone down to the bottom. There are 66 videos currently on my YouTube channel. Right. Uh, and that's recorded. And I think there's two shorts in there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, well, no, they've actually separated shorts out. So there's 66 post-produced videos uh, on my channel and a number of live. There's 13 videos where I've gone live and streamed varying sports games. Um, I tried a, a bit on a... Sorry, to try and get myself to do a bit more live streaming because it's certainly with like the group of friends that I have, it's very much in vogue to to do live streams of as much as possible. Um, I thought to myself, you know, again, trying to balance out my schedule, you know, trying not to overwork myself. Um, I decided to do a stream on a Sunday afternoon and call it Sunday Sport. Yeah. Um, so number one, because I thought it was a nice little innuendo for anyone who remembers the the paper, the Sunday Sports. Mm -hmm. Um. And, but as well I as I remember it well, <laughs> but it really gave me a focus for what I should make my live stream about. And mm -hmm. basically, I just chose to play sports games. Mm -hmm. um, so primarily, it was like golf. So PGA Tour 2K23 was the main one. Um, but there's you know pepperings are Formula One, um, Dirt Five, you know, and just some other kind of racing games to go in there as well. Um, just to mix it up a little bit from from time to time. And again, varying degrees of success, there was some engagement. And I just realized that actually, I think when it comes to a live stream, I am i don't believe I'm charismatic enough to, to really carry that kind of live stream for, you know, two to three hours once a week. Um, you know, I rarely get more than four people watching at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, it, and I'm not going to, I won't say it demotivated me because it didn't. And that's absolutely not the case. Mm -hmm. um, but what it did do was kind of make me reevaluate whether that was what I should be doing mm. um, and decided to, you know, just for now take a break from it. I mean, the last live stream I did was in August 23. Um, so I, you know, as this video is recorded, um, August 23 was the last live stream that I did. And I haven't done one since. And I just haven't really found the motivation to, try a live stream because i invariably find myself on my own at a time where i'm available to stream yeah um, like my friends you know they everyone has lives and they're obviously out with their you know their other friends or they're playing other games doing their own streams 
Um, so I've just thought, oh, I think I'll, I'll wait for a little while until either I find some more gaming friends or another gaming community to join where I can do some more exciting and engaging and interactive live streams rather than just people watching me play golf for a few hours. We did look at the possibility of doing uh, streaming uh, for the uh, for the Tuesday show. We did. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm in two minds about it. One, obviously... Doing anything completely live is um, could be an absolute minefield because it's very easy to um, it's very easy to say the wrong thing, yep. um, and I know because I often say the wrong thing, and I'm very glad that nobody was videoing it at the time. Being being available to do it at the time when people are likely to watch a stream as well is uh, is difficult. And that's the thing. I mean, it, it's I'd say for. Certainly for what I'm doing in the gaming space, um, it is fairly easy to understand when, also where your viewers are most likely to be, mm -hmm. and therefore when the best time to, or you know, to to you know go live with a stream would be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that demographic is generally most viewers come from the United States, yeah. Uh, which means that if I'm to do a live stream at a time that you know, again, in it's all very generic in general terms. I'd have to stream in the evening in US time. You know, so we're talking anything from, you know, like midnight hour time in the UK mm. would be the best time to start a stream and to keep it rolling for about six hours to kind of cover all of the bases across the United States. Yeah. But, you know, uh, as, as I said, I, I have a day job. Mm. You know, I, I have to get up at 7am for, for work. Mm. I can't justify being up at that time of day um to do a live stream to try and get audience engagement yes i can do it in the evening time our time so i can stream from you know 8 p.m 9 p.m whatever all the way up until about midnight the only engagement i'm going to get is from the uk um, and i'm not saying that should be frowned you know or snuffed at because you know people from the uk do watch and you know i might get people from europe watching as well yeah uh, which is not a bad thing um, but you definitely, you know, the biggest portion of audience, and certainly when I've looked at the analytics of the type of video, you know, the, the videos that I've put out, my biggest audience engagement comes from the United States. Mm. And I think a lot of people are probably in that same boat. I mean, especially being British, they go mad for the British accent over there, don't they? Mm. Um, so they probably just enjoy listening to me talk to myself for half an hour at a time. Um, but you talk about how, uh, you know, viewer numbers vary on videos you, you know you've got the old tuesday show stuff up on your channel right now and it still gets views the, you know i'm going to drop the the dreaded a word when it comes to youtube the algorithm no one knows how the algorithm works um and what it is about your videos that pushes it up i mean we can do everything we can as creators to you know try and promote our, our content and try and trick that the algorithm um into you know showing it to more people but ultimately you know, YouTube will promote your content based on the number of people that come and watch your videos and for how long they watch your videos. And that's it. There, there's no magical I, I, formula to it. I think the thing with the algorithm is, um, I, I, I think unless your your day to day is um, how, getting making sure that you've got as many views as and, and as many subscribers as possible, and that is, it's all about a money making machine. Mm -hmm. I think unless you're down that track. Uh, as a as a content creator like yourself, like like me with this show, or even with the with the Tuesday show, we just got to deal with the fact that the algorithm is there 
to give the viewer what they want and more of what they more of what they like it's not to do with us so it's not no. something we can gain because it's about what the viewers want mm-hmm. um and i think to some degree you know for for kind of the stuff that you do and the stuff that i do we've we've really got to you know kind of push the algorithm away and forget about that and do the stuff that we want to do yep. uh, and try and do it well Mm-hmm. um and and promote it as much as possible to you know uh, our own our own people really yeah i mean there's still things that you can do to try and push your video to more people or and you know uh, and you'll know yourself when you look at the analytics within youtube there are so many things or so many metrics to measure on that effectively you you're constantly thinking okay how do i improve this number how do i improve mm-hmm. that number what do i do here uh, and as well as some other little tricks and bits and pieces that you can think of to get people to look at it so you know you're looking at um well obviously youtube knows what you watch um so it then knows what type of content to push your way based on your viewing history um it knows how long you you watch a video for so yeah. you know on average so it will know that if you watch so again for me i i'm going to assume that youtube knows this much about me i watch gaming videos i watch how-to videos on a gaming video i generally watch it all the way through on a how-to mm. video, I tend to skip around a little bit. Mm. So what YouTube is looking at is, okay, so we're going to push gaming videos to this guy, which it does, um, and usually at around the 30-minute mark. 20 to 30 minutes is what YouTube pushes to me. When it comes to how-to videos, it actually finds the stuff. And because you can see it yourself, when you scroll through a video, it, you get you see the little peak and trough graph along the bottom, along the little red bar. Yeah. Um, it shows you where people are watching things. Um, so it'll actually, and I've seen it on a couple of videos, nothing to do with what I'm watching, but when I go into it and I start scrolling through, I can see the peaks and troughs mm. and the fact that people are going back to rewatch something and that kind of thing. Um, and then when it comes to your own content and how you present that to other people, um, you can use your retention graph is a really good metric to, to look at. So I think everyone's retention graph looks the same. It starts off, starts off high and then it, it literally it does this gradual kind of exponential dip. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can then also see again where people are rewinding or skipping um, to go back and watch. You'll see little peaks where people have gone back to watch a bit again. Um, and the best part is you can go through that graph and you can see what your video is or what point people are clicking away or what point people are going to look back. You can go actually, so maybe people liked that bit, so maybe I need to do more of that to keep you know, to, to build the retention yeah. side of it. Yeah. Um, and then there's things like obviously because it's all about impressions, so you get your impression click through rate. Um, the best way to get click-through rate is to have a really good pop in your thumbnail. Um, so I've heard so many different things about the, the formula of a thumbnail. Like you need to have your face with an emotion on it. There you go. You can use that as a thumbnail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you need to have a big red arrow pointing to something, mm-hmm. or you need to have a before and after photo. So your before photo is, and then your after photo is, yeah, you know, and then and it, it just draws the eye in, and yeah. and the same with in, your. In fact, this this screen, as viewers are looking at it, could be a before and after. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> this is what I look like now. This is what I, this is what I look like. <laughs> yeah, in after, twenty years' time after reconstructive surgery. Yeah, in a new background. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much more handsome. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and then what was I going to say? Oh yeah, and the Thumbnails, other one is your yeah. uh, your title. Yeah, um, and I've 
I've been through and done so much research on this, again, trying to improve my own click-through rates and trying to get people to watch my content. Um, I feel like I do a really good job with thumbnails now, more or less. There's still one or two I, I kind of go back and think, not entirely happy with that thumbnail, and I might take it or I might you know tweak it and then upload a new thumbnail. Um, but the title, I think, is really important. And, and I watched a video. I won't say uh, who I was watching. Um, but this person was was quite specific about their their title choice, um, which is you, you have to put a title that obviously not only matches the thumbnail, but a title that if somebody scrolled past it after reading your title, that a couple of minutes later they think, but actually what happened? And they'd almost feel yeah. compelled to go back and watch it because they want to know what happened. And it's like, mm -hmm. but it goes beyond the clickbait type title where people go, oh, I drank this, then this happened. You know, because that is a hundred percent clickbait. The general public are very aware of clickbait, and hmm. you know, it just doesn't work anymore. It used to, it used to work, but it yeah. just doesn't ha doesn't do that anymore. Now you'd put a title in of instead of "I drank this, then this happened." You'd say, "I, you know, I was dared to drink a pint of this." You know, but and then in your thumbnail, it's a pint of you know the old like cartoon bottle with the skull and crossbones or the X on it or something, and yeah. your face like, you know, and if someone scrolled past that, they'd be like, well, what What did they drink? What was it? Mm. And they'd have to go back and watch it just to find out. Um, but then the trick with, with the retention is you have to actually deliver on that that promise of, I'll show you what it is that I was dared to drink. Yeah, but you, if you don't deliver on that quickly, mm. or at least give a hint that you're going to deliver on it quickly, people will just click away. Mm. Yeah, mm. I was dared to drink this. You know, um, and then you, you, someone clicks on it, and it starts off in a, a meadow, you know, with some funny music, and it's you skipping down the lane, going "Once upon a time, there was." A... People don't care; they're going to click away. Yeah, because um, you... I mean, the, the the start of the video would then be, "Okay, I did this, I did that, and you know, this is what happened, and this happened along the way, and then you cut something else, and then you cut some." I mean, I I, I spend I spend quite a lot of time watching. Uh, YouTube videos with my little boy, so he's mm. um, he likes all the all the really the the loud stuff, you know. When you've got um, like there's a whole family involved in making YouTube videos, and they're really annoying and really loud and really like all over the place all the time. And yeah. there's something big and there's something plastic and there's something else. And then the dog turns up, and then and then the then they're in their Tesla, and then they're not in a Tesla, and then they're you know on the roof, uh, and it's yep. and, and it's like that. And th those are the ones that uh, we watch a lot of. And even though I hate it, I'm still watching it, and I and I'm not looking away because I'm I, I actually get. Um, I mean, it sounds really sad, but I I start to sort of get led down this path to find out actually what happened. What happened when they make a um, a dog hotel? And mm -hmm. you know they've only got twenty four hours. To do. Why have they only got twenty? Why don't they give themselves forty eight hours? Why do they do that? Exactly. Um, it's just it's just um, drama, creating drama all the time. You got the music and you got sound effects and all that sort of stuff that makes you think, oh god, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? If somebody had walked down the street and said to you, uh, somebody make a made a dog hotel, um, and it took them twenty four hours, you go, oh. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Move on, um, because it wouldn't it wouldn't grab you at all. But when they're at, when the when you're actually watching these stupid things, 
uh, you want to know what happens next. And as you say, you've got the thumbnail, you've got the, you know, here's a picture of a dog, here's a picture of a hotel, or here's a picture mm -hmm. of something else, or whatever it may be. It's um, and then you know somebody pulling a face, and it gets you and it gets you into it. And um, yeah, and I, I, I know exactly the thumbnail. Myself. <laughs> I know the exact thumbnail I would use for that exact scenario. It, mm. It's the you know, so you need to have a picture whether it's you or a person conveying some kind of emotion like you know and you then need something else that's relevant so if you know you you built a dog hotel in 24 hours well the title of the video would be i got these dogs to love me in 24 hours yeah. um, and the thumbnail would be you with a because you love dogs and the dogs love you yeah. um it would be a load of dogs holding kind of, a clock with like 24 hours um, yeah. sort of countdown that kind of thing yeah, a load of dogs there kind of, you know, leaping up at you or you're standing on their things, panting, looking at you. And then in the background is like a blurred something with a big red cross through it because we don't want you to know what it is in the thumbnail. Mm. We want you to click on the video to find out what it is. Mm. Um, you know, and that it, it, it forces you as the viewer to go, well, I need to know what this is. And it's it's really drawing on the the FOMO side is that fear of missing out. And it, it's it's drawing the viewers in to find out what it is that you've done mm. that made dogs love you, especially, I mean, dogs, you could do that with anything. But again, you have to deliver on that. Yeah. You can't say, I made dogs love me in 24 hours mm. um, and then do a video that is nothing to do with dogs because, mm. you know, not only are people going to click away, it's going to affect your analytic or it's going to affect your algorithmic positioning mm. um, because you're not delivering and, you know, people will just be, and it's people start thumbing down. And I hate the thumbs down thing on youtube um that i found there's actually nothing more disheartening when i look at a video and it's got you know four likes but one person's on thumbs down yeah and i'm like oh why did you do that because it, it lowers the rating of my video but obviously i also understand why it exists because yeah. it's there yeah. to tell youtube that you are not you don't want that kind of content mm. um so and it tells youtube not to show it to you as the viewer but obviously as a creator it lowers the rating of that video or lowers the ranking of that video and you know for me i just go oh i mean there was one that came out early november um what was it about a new racing game called forza motorsport um which i liked i thought i'll jump in i'll you know do kind of the tutorial thing and make something of that one person disliked it and i just kind of went well that's the end of that series then Mm. And that's the end of Forza Motorsport for me. No one watched it, or not many people watched it, and one person didn't like it. So, yeah, bailed, gone. Not yeah. going to do it anymore, probably. I mean, I might do, but yeah. unlikely, unless I do a, a multiplayer thing. This is what I mean when I, when I say, you know, to some degree, you've just got to do it, do it for yourself. Um, because, yeah, it, it might be that might be the series. It might just be that video. It might just be that, that you know, that person clicked the wrong button. They could have just yeah. gone, oh, thumbs up, and then hit thumbs down. Um, they might just be an idiot. Um, who knows? <laughs> um, but the, you know, the thing is, there are there are certain things there. Uh, talk about you know the the way of like conveying this like drama and and um, uh, this sort of time limited thing and and everything to to catch the catch the audience. And I suppose there are certain things that definitely definitely you can employ in the kind of videos that you do because something's going to happen um but that requires you to be very high energy um with 
with think with other things of course though like with um with this with the podcast it's you know you you can't do this like you know oh um cj came on the podcast you won't believe what happened next you know it it's it, it's not going to work in the same way is it the thing is there are podcasters out there who do have that level of energy and and yeah. i'll be honest i'm really trying to convey that level of energy and mm. me talking to you right now anybody that watches any other podcast i don't i rarely get this animated about anything but <laughs> It's. I'm. I'm trying to convey the energy of what some content creators are like. I mean, there are some very famous names out there who, when you watch their videos or watch their content, are just seemingly, and I'll, I'll explain that bit in a second. Seemingly so full of beans and so full of energy and life, and you just think, I'm exhausted watching this person. Mm. I'm exhausted by how loud they are. I'm exhausted by the constant clipping around of, of camera views and i'm just like it's almost like an audio sensory overload it's all i feel like it's almost like a uh an adhd not adhd what's the word i'm looking for like a I don't know, probably adhd yeah. some 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 spectrum thing um where i just go i'm actually this is hurting me because i can't follow what's happening because too much going on too mm -hmm. much sound too mm -hmm. much vision too much too many, uh, much visual stimulus um and it's it's almost distracting and I don't wanna say it I don't wanna say it hurts. That's probably the wrong thing, but it's almost that my brain can't keep up and I just want to look away from it at that point. But there are some things where if it's kind of crafted in the right way, you think, actually, I can sit here and watch this. And you say you've watched some stuff with with your son mm. and and but you and you can't take your eyes off of it because there's enough stimulation there to keep you engaged. Um, to stop you from from turning away from it, but yeah. they've also probably posed something right at the very start of the video that's made you go, "I need to hang around to find out what happens here." Mm. It's like imagine watching like oh, like those old TV shows like Storage Hunters. Um, what's the one with the pawn shop? Um, oh, that's going to bother me now. The uh, it's all like porn masters or something, porn right. stars or something like that. Yeah, it's like yeah, people go yeah. into this this shop and pawn off their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and the way it's 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 produced and edited and cut together is very, you know, okay. Someone comes in, you know, and and the narrator's like, this person just walked into the store and has opened and has revealed something, and it's taken the and and you see the emotion on like the pawnbroker's face. He's like that. Oh, oh my god. And you're yeah, like, yeah. what is it? I need to know what this is. But then they cut away to something completely different. Yeah. And you're like, that, that's what I want. <laughs> Give me that. And it for but it forces you to stay and watch to the end. Well, yeah. I mean, in a lot of times they're, they're cutting away to a break, but they might cut away to a and um, what's going to happen next or what's going to happen with something else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we will, you know, also this Craig, he's just opened, you know, a box. What's yep. in that? Anyway, let's yep. go back to this. That's it. But then they'll tease the other thing every so often. They'll yeah. be like, but don't forget, this guy came in and revealed yeah. something that, that drove Jerry insane. <gasps> oh, my God. And then it'll cut away back to <laughs> Bob in the corner who's brought in a, a silver tray. And it's like, oh, this is very interesting. I'd say that's worth $20. Yeah. Or, you know, and it, but it, it just, it, you, you, you're sitting there going, what is happening here yep. that is yep. causing such emotion? To this person that I don't know on the TV, and and then you'll and then you'll have a small montage of everything you've seen just before the ad break, and then when yep. you come back from the ad break, then you've got a small montage of everything you've seen again. Yep. And then they get back into it, but it yep. feels like you're still two steps back, <laughs> and you're desperate to know 
exactly what's in that box. And the bit that annoys me the most with those types of shows is it then gets to the big reveal and you're like, is that it? Mm. Why have I just wasted half an hour of my life? I'm not getting that back. Damn you, storage hunters. <laughs> you know, you're like... <laughs> but you, when you look at content on YouTube, it's exactly the same. There's mm. like this big tease at the start and full of emotion and there's so much happening that you're just like... What's going on? What has just happened? You know, to make this person wet himself. You know, um, you know what made this person scream so loudly? And it, it's just a snail on the floor or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it just forces you to stay and watch, and mm. that's what they're really banking on. And like I say, YouTube creators are exactly the same. Um, I haven't gone that far. Um, I don't think I can bring that level of energy for that amount of time. I couldn't uh, be that loud and <laughs> annoying. I really, you know, I can be annoying and quiet. Uh, but being that loud and, uh, and full of energy is just not really possible. I, I mean, pass, I mean, some, aggression. but they are, yeah, yeah. But they're, they're the worst. They're like, um, I, I lost them. I just, I just so loud. And this is what's annoying because I watch it and think this is terrible, but I keep watching it mm. and they're, but they're, they're loud and you can see what they're doing. You can see how they're, they're, they're working to a formula that mm. has, that has worked for the likes of Mr. Beast. Yeah. And they're doing it, but they're doing it in the, in their own way. Um, but they're just loud. I keep saying they're loud, but they are loud. They're so they loud. Very loud. But I think the same applies to, um, what, what you'll see that, you know, TV shows or, and, and I'll say, especially reality TV shows, um, follow the exact same formula. Mm. Uh, where it's, you know, and I don't mean things like porn star storage hunters, but I'm talking about like Big Brother. I'm talking, you know, Survivor, Bear Grylls, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah. All these kind, and they all follow that same format of, mm. oh, look what happens when this person decides to wrestle a snake. Um, but you don't see anything. You just hear people screaming in the background and you're like, I need to find out what happens. Well, they're um, all just desperate for people to stay on the station or on the on that on that particular channel, and um, and also, of course, you know, when we talk about um, you know commercial TV, obviously they've got people they've got to hook people so that they stay through the adverts, um, yeah. which is I must be increasingly difficult because as soon as the adverts come on now, you know, when on those very rare occasions you watch real TV. And it comes to the adverts, and you can't wind it forward for whatever reason. And the the adverts are appalling. I mean, I'm watching adverts at the moment, uh, it being sort of Christmas time, so all the Christmas adverts, and they're just absolutely appalling. You've got all the these stupid um, uh, fragrance out um, ad, uh, uh, adverts, and yep. they go, oh, je t'aime, le bar, de de ba ba and and then there's a bottle, at, yeah, and there's a bottle at the end of it. You just think, well. What's it smell of? Tell us that. Yeah. You know, uh, something something useful would be. Um, uh, but again, all that nonsense. The, the psychology behind all of that is is immensely powerful. So there's one that. So I, I watch American football, and I generally watch American football live, um, mm. which means which means that I get a lot of commercials and things like that. And um, and but even YouTube. Um, before I went to YouTube Premium, because adverts do generally drive me insane. Mm. Um, You'd see, and fragrances are, are quite a big one. And the latest one, I can't remember who it's for, but all I remember is it was Johnny Depp um, with his shirt open on a motorcycle. 
Um, and then, like you say, it has this bottle and he goes, the new fragrance for men. Mm. Um, the psychology behind that is, is actually incredibly powerful because people genuinely think that if they go and buy this fragrance, they will smell like Johnny Depp um, and girls will love them um, or they'll, you know, take a dump on this pillow you know, or something. Mm. Um, so I guess that's not relevant anymore. Yeah. yeah. Also, I don't know how relevant that is nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could fix her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's it and it's like and it was the whole thing there was another advert that actually I really liked and I really kind of liked the concept of it when I really stopped to think about what it was and I think it was for a Jaguar some kind of Jaguar yeah Um, and it was like uh, no it wasn't a Jaguar whatever it was but there was like this big black panther and it jumped into the back of a car and then the the boot closed and then the Mm. boot opened and the Jaguar leapt out in in such graceful fashion (laughs) and People suddenly go, well, if I buy that car, maybe I can get a Jaguar into my boot as well. Yeah. And and unfortunately, the general public, you know, apologies, viewers, but the general public are quite stupid like that. And they genuinely think that's actually what's going to happen. You know, and they think that actually, yeah, I'm going to be cool like a Jaguar or I'm going to be able to, you know, tame a, ja- uh, uh, not a Jaguar, a Panther and have it jump in the back of my car. It, it just doesn't work like that. Um, it was like the whole, it was the Lynx, I think there was a Lynx advert, um, Axe Body Spray for you Americans. Um, it was Lynx Africa or something, and it was like this guy spraying himself with Lynx. And I don't know if anyone, if you've ever smelt Lynx Body Spray, it's horrible. It's so bad. It doesn't matter what flavor you get, it's disgusting. Um, but then all these girls come charging, these women come charging at him. The girls, women, start flocking yep. towards him in you know by the hundreds. Mm-hmm. And again, the the power of that advert is: you spray yourself with this stuff, you'll get surrounded by women. Yeah, it's the, it's it's going back to the the, the time tested, uh, you know, and the time tested uh, thing of sex sells because it yeah. does. But. Um... But it's still, it doesn't work though. I mean, the amount of times I've been in changing rooms, which actually completely stink of Lynx Africa. There's no girls there. No girls there. It's just that, but the smell, the smell lingers. Uh, but but the women just don't turn up. Oh, you almost expect them to be hammering on the door outside. Let us in. Yeah, Let us into the right. men's changing rooms. Right, <laughs> right. This Lynx Africa is horrible. Yeah. Ask any woman. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh. I had to. Um, I flew out to America a few, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, whenever it was. Um, and on the way back, so the hotel I stayed in before flying home, um, the shower didn't work, and they didn't give me any towels. And I was just like, "Great, so I'm gonna end up sitting on a plane, smelling really bad." Um, so when I got into the airport, you know, got through security, I had to spend a fortune on a pack of baby wipes mm-hmm. um, and uh, links. Phoenix, well, it was Axe in America, um, but it's basically Lynx. Um, But a fragrance called Phoenix. Now, it was one that actually, when it did exist in the UK, I actually really quite liked it. Mm -hmm. And then I I found this, it was roll-on, like, or stick deodorant, antiperspirant stick. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember putting the lid off and smelling it and going, that does not smell how I remember. I put the lid back on and put it back on the shelf. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. nope, (laughs) that's terrible. (laughs) But I ended up getting some like uh, Nivea thing instead, which you know smelled much nicer, much more mm. grown up. I think. Mm. And I think when you're kind of a pre-pubescent teen, you know, Lynx is fine. Yeah, all you about know. the Lynx. Yeah, yeah, that's it. When when you just 
when you don't know how to wash yourself properly um, and you just need a quick cover-up, links will do the job. Um, but as, you know, as you grow older and you... you... Squaddy wash. Squaddy, yeah. Squaddy mm. bath, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, some people might say a horse bath. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll keep it clean, though, right? Uh, yeah, squatty, squatty bath is, uh, is the way to do it. Um, but yeah, I think as I've grown up, those kind of fragrances just don't do it for me. It's just no. I mean, obviously, they're not there to attract me, but I just don't find them a good scent anymore. I'd mm -hmm. rather, you know, get like Nivea Cool Kick or Sensitive or, you know, something that feels a bit more grown up than Lynx. If I can buy it in the pound shop, I don't want it. <laughs> as snobby as that sounds, if I can buy it in a pound shop, I'm not interested. Okay. <laughs> you get pretty much anything in the pound shop, don't you? Mm. Very good. None of it costs a pound, though, anymore. No, that's why they're not called pound shops anymore. They're called B&M and stuff like that, aren't they? Home bargains. Home bargains, yeah. Home bargains. <laughs> well, it's all about economy of scale in mm. the, in dollar stores or pound shops or you know whatever the European, African, Asian equivalents are, um, Australasian um, and all that stuff. Because um, it's all about, like, you, you'll go in there because you need one thing. So let's say you want you know, a keyring of some description, or I don't know. You need a doorstop, mm -hmm. one door in your home. I've you never, to... I've never once gone out to buy either a keyring or a doorstop. Okay, they're, maybe they're bad examples. Uh, let's think of something else that you might just want to have. You need Links Africa. Uh, uh, well, actually, no. You know what? Not actually a bad, a bad call. So let's say something like you need. Uh, no, actually, no, because they could be useful. Um, so I'm going to stick with the doorstop analogy. So, you know, you think to yourself, actually, right, in my home, I could probably just do with a doorstop in the kitchen just to stop it from closing so I can keep the air flowing or whatever. Um, so you want to go out and buy a doorstop. So you go to the pound shop and you go, oh, actually, while I'm here, I'm going to grab a doorstop. And you go looking around and you find the doorstops. You can't buy one. You have to buy 10. So what right. you end up with is your one doorstop that you wanted mm -hmm. and nine others that you have no idea what to do with. And the reason that works in a you know in a, a a bargain shop like that is because it's all just you know bulk manufacturing, bulk purchasing, bulk packaging, um, and it just you know the, the the cost to produce all of that is so low that even selling it for a pound, the business is still making a load of money because mm. they also know that you're going to take that home and you're just going to throw it away. Mm. You know you're going to use your one or two doorstops or your couple of key rings that you just bought a hundred bag of because that was all you could find in the pound store, um, and the rest of it is just going to go in the bin or go in a drawer somewhere. It's never actually going to go to anybody else. You yeah. know you're not you're not going to give it to your friends and say, "Hey, I just happen to have ninety eight key rings spare. Would you like them?" Um, yeah. Doesn't happen that way, and they know that, and they also yeah. know that if anyone else needs a doorstop or some key rings, that's where they're going to go to yeah. the pound shop. Because it costs a pound, or did cost a pound. Um, it's, like, it's like when I when I go out and I I want to buy a paperclip. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think of examples where I've just gone. I've all I've needed lighters. is lighters is a good example yeah. because they they always have these massive packs of lighters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was it. You could always go and you could just buy a ten pack of lighters. But mm. again, I'm looking at that going over time. They're useful because mm. you you know. If, Obviously, you know, we're not smokers anymore. Um, but when we were, you'd be like, right, 10 lighters, that's great. I can actually just like leave one in the car, leave one in my bag, leave one in the kitchen. You know, and I've always got a lighter to hand. Mm -hmm. um, the other one, the, the one that really gets is biros. I've got, and because I recently moved house and I've just 
kind of more or less finished unpacking boxes and stuff now. Um, and I came across a pack of 20 ballpoint pens. Yep. I bought that pack from Tesco because I needed a pen to write in a birthday card. Mm. And I've just had this pack of pens ever since. I don't use them. I cannot oh. remember the last time I used a pen from yeah. that pack. Are the biros there? Or are they uh, some sort of cheap alternative? Just cheap alternative. I, I don't mm. have one in, in my office here. But yeah, it's I, a, but the standard plastic thing with a lid that you pull off yeah. and you can write and then put the lid back on. And mm. yeah, it's not like a BIC. It's not a name brand. It's just Tesco's own, mm. you know, super cheap. But we're going to make you buy a load of them to make it worth our time producing them. Mm. Um, but you're just going to throw them in the drawer and forget about them for the next 20 years. Yeah, I find pens are not uh, pens are like um, like mugs in a way. Uh, you can be pretty sure that you've got a house full of mugs and a house full of pens. But trying to find a pen that actually works is yep. is the hard bit because there'll be a load of pens, but there'll be really cheap stuff that you kind of picked up or um, you know you were given away or you know whatever it may be, and it takes. You know, you've got to take your pen and go shh, 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 and do these lick the end to get uh, yeah, lick the lick the end and all that sort of stuff to get it working. The only pen, the only pen that I I I it's always nice to have a pen that works and also a pen that writes reasonably well. And I always mm. have these these gel pens. Yeah. Um what are they called? Um Uniball. Yeah, it's uh, gone. And I like them when it's a, a thicker tip. Uh. Um <laughs> it's right there, man. I could not laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what she said. Um, the um, yeah, so it's it, and and it writes really smoothly, which means that any mm. other pen, I'm just not interested in. No, right. I, I don't. Why would I buy a pen? Why would I buy a pen? Why would I want a free pen if somebody says, "Oh, here's a pen," and they never work properly, and you can't rely on them? And the other annoying thing is, people. People around you never throw pens away. I can't. I as soon as a pen stops working, it should go straight in the bin. Mm -hmm. In the bin again. So, all the recycling. Puts, yeah. yeah. If somebody puts a pen that doesn't work down on any surface, they they should be they should be thrown in the bin because they're doing everybody a disservice. Because somebody along the line is going to pick up that pen and think, "Oh, here's a pen. Oh, that doesn't work." No, it didn't. It didn't work for the last person. But they were so self-censored, self-self-centered, that they decided they couldn't be couldn't be asked to go and put it in the bin. So somebody else has got to got to do that, or more than likely, somebody else will pick it up and go, "Oh no, that doesn't. Why does it people? Why do people keep these pens that don't work?" And then they'll put it down. Yep. And then somebody else will do exactly the same thing. And the, and the other thing that seems to be, um, you know, in bulk in every household. Uh, is mugs because you get mugs for everything, and then somebody will give you a mug at Christmas or a mug at Easter, uh, a mug with an Easter egg in it. I don't even drink that much in terms of things you have in a mug. I have I have my favorite coffee mug. I have a set of four, you know, mugs which match the rest of my crockery, my plates and bowls and things, because mm. um, I like things that match. And then I have. An array of other mugs that are either varying sets or I just think they go well together. So, like, I've got a couple of 
mugs with Union Jacks on them. I've got some Royal Air Force mugs of varying descriptions that I may or may not have collected from varying RAF stations over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got a couple of Skull Crusher coffee ones because I quite like Skull Crusher coffee and they usually come with a free mug. And so it's nice to kind of build that collection. Um, but I, like you, I'm just also like, I don't drink that much coffee. It's like I use one mug a day, mm. maybe two mugs a day. So I'll have a mug for my coffees in the morning. I'll make a pot of coffee. That's three mugs of coffee I drink um, you know, in a few hours. And then I might use a separate mug to make a cup of tea in the evening, you know, a cup of like red bush tea. Um, but generally, I'm either washing them up that night or the next day, or they're going in the dishwasher, and the dishwasher will get put on once every few days. Yeah. Um, to clean everything, and but I don't go through that many mugs. I don't need as many mugs as I have. Actually, well, when I when I moved um, to my house in Bedford um, before I moved here, uh, I actually got rid of so many mugs. I just had too many. Mm -hmm. I just thought this is just too many. I don't need this many. It's me. I live on my own. I don't need that many. I'm rarely going to entertain so many people that I don't have enough mugs for them. You know, if ever. So. I do, feel, I do feel like I should be in the mug business because there are just so many, so many mugs about and everybody has too many mugs. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, and it's right what you're saying, but I mean, generally speaking, most people have a favorite mug. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people, most people in the world will just always drink from the same mug. I generally always drink from the same, my, especially my coffee mug. I do actually wash that every day. Yeah, I can use it the next day. I don't put that in the. It, it, I can you put it in the dishwasher, but I don't. I and if prefer I get, to, to wash it out every day. If I get a nice mug, more more chance of me using it actually for for keeping pens in it. <laughs> I have a All mug, right. but it's full of pens that don't fucking work. <laughs> that's 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 what happens to the mugs. But the other thing with mugs is, actually, when it comes to having a cup of tea. I much prefer a cup of saucer. Okay. So, I, I, you know, out of choice, I wouldn't even have a mug. But I'm damned if I'm throwing those mugs away. Yeah, I mean, I'm a... I feel like I'm a, a, a victim of... No, victim is the wrong word. I've grown up in the world of you can have things bigger. Mm. So having a teacup with for tea is never enough. I feel like I get... Your mouth falls out of it, and I'm done. And I'm That's like, she said. Well, yeah, I'm like, where's where? But I look, I go, where's the rest of the tea? Well, the thing, you know, that... oh, it's still in the pot. But now yeah. I've got to pour that. And just give me a bigger mug and put the whole thing in, and I'll I'll be happy. I'm content with this. Mm. Yeah, I I. I, I'm probably the opposite because I think if, if there's a mug that's too big, I mean, some sometimes people have, oh, look at my mug. And they're like, they're all about the fact that because, they've got a mug that's massive, you know, because a, of pint, things, yeah. a pint mug or or one of those ones, you know, with, you much. know, that you know, that chubby shop where people buy trainers. Oh, Sports Direct. That's it. Yeah. I've seen um, that, yeah. Yeah. So the, the ones where they have the, the big, um, those big mugs that they get there, um, I, I can't stand it because no. it's just too, A, it's too much tea. And um, it won't be long before the tea is a bit cold. And then I don't want to drink it. And then I'm just throwing it away. I'd much remember, rather have a much smaller mug. I remember years ago in one of my old jobs where you'd have to make rounds of tea. Like, oh, it's your turn to go make the round of tea. I don't want tea mm. or coffee. Yeah, you know, I'm quite content with my bottle of water. Thanks. Oh, but we're all really thirsty and all that nonsense that goes on. 
there was one person that had one of those massive sports direct mugs mm. um, and i like you do not like them at all and they were very unimpressed with me when you know they wanted their cup of coffee and they tried to tell me how to make coffee in this massive mug and i was like well no you're no better than anybody else you're still getting one teaspoon of coffee grounds um mm -hmm. and a load of water and a splash of milk same as everybody else you know yeah. that's it and they can oh, it's too watery i was like i don't have such a big mug you know, why Why should, but I'm sitting there going, you're basically, you, you are, in essence, if I do it the way you want me to do it, you're getting, in essence, three cups of coffee out of me. Yeah. To your, or to my one cup of coffee that I get out of you when you make your round. So actually, no, the economics here don't work out and I'm not going to subscribe to your way of doing things. Um, They weren't happy. <laughs> they really weren't happy with me. I just, uh, but yeah, I can't stand those things. Just like because that they are impractical. I genuinely think they are completely impractical. I think I had a giant mug once. I can't remember what it was or what it was for. It was many, many years ago, and um, eventually I just got rid of it because it's just impractical. It's yeah. no, it's it's of no real use to me. Yeah. Um. You know, a standard mug sized mug is actually more than enough for that mug. You know, for mm. that version of the beverage. Um, I don't need any bigger. But on the same vein, this is what I'm used to. I don't want smaller, so if I'm making tea, I don't want to drink it out of a teacup because I feel it's too small. Mm. But like I say, that's just me and how I've been brought up. And yeah, you, know, you um, can you can get bigger teacups though. Um, they have a weird shape though. You think? Yeah, well, because they're generally like much wider at the top, aren't they? Than a, a coffee mug. Yes, although I do quite, I, I, I do like a, a, a rounded one. Yeah, like I, a I bowl. Think there's still, there's still, yeah, a bit like a, a bit like a bowl. There's still yeah. variety out there. It's a bowl with um, a handle, but yeah, um, still weird to me. But we don't be talking oh. about talking about mugs though. Um, it just makes me think of um, and I don't, I don't get the emails anymore, and I assume they're still going. I'm sure they are, but. Uh, I used to get emails all the time, every day. Usually because I was a stupid, you know, I, I was a, um, I was a customer. And I kept on buying things um, with a company called Vistaprint. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. them. And um, yeah, and it kind of again, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like addiction. Uh, it's a bit like they're 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 pushing drugs or something because they start off with wouldn't you like some business cards and you think well that'd be quite handy I've started a new endeavor or um you know it'd be handy to be able to hand out a business card um which kind of dates it a bit I don't I don't think people use those anymore um and then and then they say well actually what you could do is you could have all of this on a mouse mat and you think I don't know why I need that. I'll have it, or, <laughs> or or it's got a calendar, so you can have your you know your, your name or your brand or your logo with a and and, and a calendar, uh, and then it just sort of sp spills out into other things like pens. So you could have cheap pens with whatever you want written on it, um, mugs with whatever you want written on it, uh, and I went through a period of where you know I'm, I had a, a, a couple of times I had a business and thought. First thing, well, first thing I thought was, I'll have a mug. Company so mug. I got mugs. Yeah. You got mugs. If you got mugs, you got a business. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and then you're tempted to buy a mug for pretty much everything. Hey, you get uh, mugs as gifts and and all sorts of things. Nothing says I know what I'm doing as a business owner than inviting visitors to your place of business 
and offering them a beverage and presenting it to them in a branded mug. Mm. Yeah, where you go, because it, it is literally, it's almost like the modern day business card. Because like I say, a lot of people don't use business cards anymore because you just go, oh, just copy down my phone number, save it into your phone. We're good. You know, no problem. It's all done on smartphones. Or you get digital business cards now and you can just like hold up a QR code and people can scan it and it'll mm. save all your contact info in their phone or whatever. So the I feel like the, the corporate mug is almost like the modern day business card. It's the, I am a professional. Um, I've invited you to my place of work. I am you know providing hospitality for you. And my business is professional enough that we can afford um, corporate mugs. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same as a business card. I mean, imagine if it was, though. Uh, imagine if it, that was the modern equivalent. So mm. you, you go to a networking event and you say, oh, hello, uh, my name's Ted. Uh, here, have a mug with my, my name and telephone number. <laughs> you well, just go around say, giving out mugs. Well, I was just about to say, how often do... I mean, I don't know last time you went to some kind of corporate um, networking event or anything like that, but yeah, you go to stands and then you you basically you get a swag bag. Mm. Um, you get a bag that's full of your marketing materials, including pens, mugs, notepads, coasters, um, cakes, uh, anything and everything that you get to slap your logo on with your email address, website, and telephone number. Mm. That is your new business card. Mm. You need PR stuff, or you need whatever your business is. You need, you know, IT. You need, you know, marketing, sustainability. You need something. Here, have a mug with my phone number on it. Mm. But whenever you pick that up and you drink from it, you go, oh, actually, yeah. I'll give these guys a call. So, I guess that's the premise of it, isn't it? I, yeah. I feel like I've, I'm trying to sound like a marketing genius. I'm really not. I but do not maybe, work in maybe, maybe, Maybe you actually are, because even now I'm thinking, yes, I can just imagine me now with my uh, Ted James podcast uh, mug. Oh... Ted, you reminded me. I completely messed up today. Um, I have my first merchandise, um, which is a thermos mug, uh, which somebody kindly had made for me. And I think, actually, this would have been the ideal opportunity to showcase it to the world, um, to drink my beverage from my branded uh, thermos mug. Um, so I'll have to get a photo and send it to you, or we'll take a break and I'll go make a drink in it and come back. <laughs> Rather than my regular pint glass that I put orange juice in, it's actually I should have put it into my my branded thermos. But it's things like that, and actually kind of trying to go full circle and bring it back to content creation. Oh that, yes, content creation. I've yeah. heard all about that. <laughs> this is, and it's actually it's, it's something that is very prevalent with uh, some of the bigger creators. Is you know actually designing and marketing your own merchandise mm. as another source of income. Um, well, you know you can create your own website, or you can you can either make it and post it and sell it and deal with it all yourself on your own website or you can actually have you know there are many businesses out there the, the first one that springs to mind is teespring um you can go to teespring and you can upload your design and it's like uh do you remember cafe press um yeah. as a because they did the same thing they're basically like vista print but better mm. um so you could go on to t you basically upload your design to teespring or cafe press um but they basically sit there in perpetuity um, and you you basically get access to it and it's all free. Mm -hmm. You get access to your own personal website link to their website. So it would be, for example, like, you know, go to tedjames.teespring.com um, 
and it will come up with your site and it will basically have everything that they sell t-shirts mugs mouse yeah. mats calendars notepads pens etc etc all designed with your logo mm. that you have uploaded onto their website mm. and they print on demand yeah um, it's like it's like amazon when you actually order books that are set, like are published by amazon now it's all print on demand mm. and you can still have it done next day or a couple of days um it's just much better than this what from what i remember of vistaprint vistaprint used to take quite a while to produce your stuff and send it to you um teespring and cafe press were generally a lot faster yeah um, like i said i think teespring is one of the big ones that i know about now for certainly from a creator's point of view yeah um, it's like a it's like a white label thing isn't it so the you know you yeah. have your own page with your own merch on there and they're at the back end just saying you know printing it and sending it out yeah, because it's basically mm. it's that's it. It's that business. So it's Teespring in the back end going. Well, this is our stock of stuff that we can print onto. So you just give us the logo, and we'll print it as and when someone orders it. And it's this whole ginormous, you know, excuse me, machine of people ordering things and it being picked out by a robot and printed on and put in a box and then shipped out with your address on it. It's um. It's actually a really clever thing, and it has worked wonders for many content creators out there. Mm. Um, I haven't done it yet. My my community is nowhere near big enough for me to warrant um, creating merchandise for it. It's um, it's just not worth it right now for me. But one day it might be. I'm you know never say never. Yeah. And I could I could easily see myself going on to Teespring and you know uploading my my channel logo, um, some other funky designs that I like. You know, I mean, so I do. If I have uh a regular so i do some like role play gaming type stuff and if i have like regular characters that appear in some of these videos i generally give them their own branding or their own logo yeah um it could be something as simple as swapping out the hat for a cowboy hat for example because the character that i'm reusing is a you know a bit of a redneck so i've just given them, it's the same avatar it's the same logo just with a cowboy hat on um but it's simple enough that actually i it's just i like it and it makes me think it's just adds a bit of variety but anyway so you can add as many designs onto these websites as you want mm. um and then people can buy them mm. and i think that's something i could see myself doing with all the logos you know my standard channel logo my you know i've got a, like a policeman logo and like I said, i've got the cowboy hat guy and it's like i could see myself uploading all of those and so if people wanted to buy them they absolutely could and like i say go to teespring or cafe but i don't think cafe press is really around anymore i haven't heard much from them um, Teespring, like I say, is the one that I know most creators tend to use, um, unless they set something up themselves. But you know, I think Teespring... there, was, there was something else called uh, like Spreadshirt or something, or okay, um, no, some, something like that. But that. again, a very similar sort of thing. And I think uh, a lot of it starts with um, t-shirts and uh, uh, and stuff like that. So t-shirts and hoodies seem to be the most popular thing. Yeah, I think yeah, just looking at it now. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's, that's it. You literally you scroll through that website and you go, oh, they've got mugs, they've got phone mm. cases, like you say, hoodies, t-shirts, sweatshirts, toys, mm. pillows. You know, all of it will be printed, and that's the key. I think that's the key thing to remember with all of it is, well, unless you're paying a premium for some service somewhere, it's all screen printed on. Yeah. Um. So. I guess you, it's kind of a bit of a crapshoot as to the the longevity of that item once you've bought it, you know, and how you look after it, how often you wear it or use it or whatever. Mm. Um, but it's such a an easy solution 
to to put your product out into the market. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it's just all there pre-designed. I mean, I there's a friend of mine, I say a friend of mine, somebody I used to work with, um, who made this t-shirt. He saw that actually kind of put me on to Teespring to start with. He said, Oh, you because he made these special t-shirts for a friend of his that for one of his colleagues that was leaving, leaving mm -hmm. the company. So he had these t-shirts made. And I'm like, how did you do that? And he's like, he literally turned it around in a couple of days. And he went, no, just uploaded my logo. They sent me a sample. I told them what size I needed for the sample. They sent it out the next working day. And I've got myself a free t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's, again, because it's all free, because they obviously just take their cut of, you know, their slice off the top when people buy stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, that's how their, their model works. Mm. Uh, I was like, actually, that's amazing. And he said he was actually seriously considering, because he was a bit of an artist as well, he was seriously considering uploading a lot of his art um, onto this website to start selling merchandise based on his artwork. Yeah. Um, and again, just but he, had, he was trying to find the right way to market it. And it's like, you know, there's only so much you can do in social media. He, he was like looking into like advertising campaigns and um, and things like that. And I was like... Yeah, fair play. So I don't know how mm. successful it was. I think mm. you know I left the business before we had a chance. But, mm. um, but yeah, so like I say, yeah, the whole content creation thing and and your marketing and business cards and things like that. The the way to do it as a content creator now is to go onto a website like Teespring, um, Spreadshirt, you know, anything like that, where you get to upload a, a logo and they basically just have whatever stock they have, and it's generally down to that business that they buy it. And again, it's all buying in bulk, so the costs are very low um, to produce all of this stuff. Yeah. Um. And they just screen print your logo onto it or whatever yeah. design you've uploaded, and you make money. They make money. Everybody wins out of it. Yeah. You know, so long as people are actually buying your products. Well, I suppose that's that's one way of um, of monetizing what you do. Right? But I mean, when we're talking about content creation, um, like what what are what are the other ways? I mean, obviously there are things like with uh, YouTube. Um, you've got um, uh, you've got adverts, so you can get. Uh, you can get paid per per, per view. Um, then you've got the merch. I mean, what what other kind of stuff? Um, what other kind of things are out there? I'm just trying but, to think. For content creators, I mean, you know, as you said there, so you get to monetize your channel uh, once you reach a thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours um, inside a year. Um, but they've recently changed the rules on it as well. I'll say the rules. They've changed the policy slightly. So actually, you can now monetize after 500 subscribers and right. I believe 2,000 views. And they've adjusted it again for YouTube Shorts as well. And I think like if you if you get 3 million watches of a short um, and your 500 subscribers, you can then also monetize your channel. But it's not monetizing as in getting ad revenue. It's monetizing as in um, adding buttons to... Or paid memberships or subscriptions or again selling your merch on youtube because you can sell mm. your merch direct on youtube now mm. um so they they've brought, actually brought that criteria they've lowered it for people who want to create um a, a members community so they can actually earn money through memberships mm. um, and subscriptions that way but the the standard you know ad revenue gen generation side of youtube is still the same um still a thousand subscribers four thousand watch hours or a thousand subscribers and i think it's actually 10 million views on a on a short or on right. shorts in general on just one but on shorts in general yeah if you have a thousand subscribers and 10 million views on your shorts mm -hmm. you can then monetize your channel um but again and it's where it kind of goes back to your you know 
your click-through rate, um, your viewer numbers, um, and really trying to boost your presence and get people to actually watch your content and really get those numbers up. And it's like once you get to a thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours, um, the ad revenue generated from that is not a lot. Mm. Um, it's it's almost like that. It, it's the threshold where advertisers say, "Okay, we will invest money into this person or into YouTube for YouTube to then invest it into that creator." Um, just to make it worth our while, just to break even on it. Mm. Um, so you don't earn a lot from that, it's, but you, you just have to keep pressing on and keep growing your channel to become you know big and make, actually live on it. And it's like some of the creators I follow has taken. I mean, one of the guys he said it took him six years to monetize on YouTube. No, it well, it took him a couple of years to monetize, but to get to a point where he could live on that revenue took him like six or seven years. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he had to just organic, and again, there are ways to inorganically grow your channel. I don't think it's personally, it's not something I think is the the right thing to do. Um, I've seen it a few times. Again, some of the people in one of the gaming communities I'm in, I'm in, um, you know, I've I've heard rumors that they have paid for uh, subscribers and followers on on their varying platforms, and when you kind of go and watch. Yeah, or look at their content, they're still not getting the viewer numbers. So you're like, mm. great, you've got the subscribers, but people still aren't watching your stuff. Mm. You know, so you've basically paid, you know, whatever the price is, $5, $10, whatever it is, for a number of bots or someone to sit there and manage a number of accounts to yeah. then go to your thing and subscribe to your channel and to their, but you're then also relying on the fact that these people are going to be watching it. And, you know, the, I think the short answer is, they're not. Yeah. If it's no. if it's one person doing it all themselves, they're not going to sit there and watch all of your content because they're doing it for two thousand other people as well who have also <laughs> paid them money to do it. And it 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 feels like a false economy, mm. uh, and not something I think I'd ever recommend doing. I mean, I don't have any evidence to support this. It's not something I've researched. I just think kind of in my mind when I think about that kind of thing, I just don't think it's the right thing to do. I'd rather try and grow organically. And if I can't grow, it, like it's me as a creator on my YouTube channel, on both of my YouTube channels, if I cannot grow them organically, it means that I'm doing something wrong. Or it means that I am just not the right person for people to be watching. Um, and I then have to evaluate what that is and, and, and try I to I don't, I don't know if that's true. working it out. I, I think I think that there's there's always it's about matching matching the viewers to the content creator i think yep. in terms of in terms of the stuff that you do even if you've got stuff that might go uh might go up and you just think well that's you know uh, that's not getting the views it it's it's not necessarily that it's underrated it's just that the right person hasn't had it come in front of them exactly uh and if they did they'd be watching it and then they'd watch the next one and the next one um mm -hmm. And I, I think that's it. It's about trying to find those. Um, YouTube will do what it can to to for its for its viewers um, to give them content uh, to give the content to the to the viewers that they mm -hmm. are likely to want. Um, but yeah, it's quite easy to kind of miss a trick somewhere along the line, so that you're not one of those uh, one of those things that is being put in front of them. And I think it, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the title and the thumbnail. Mm. You know, YouTube, you know, the John Smith down the street, 
what likes to watch Grand Theft Auto role play type videos. Uh, so like cops and robbers type things or, you know, just things where people go and they play GTA 5, but there's almost like a, a specific role play that they want to do with it. They're not just playing the story. They're actually doing something more creative with it, mm. um, which is great. There are thousands of creators out there that do this. Um, I'm now one of them. Um, and like I say, and there are varying degrees of success. Uh, but John Smith down the road, that's what he likes to watch. So actually on his feed, if he starts scrolling through his phone, YouTube will start presenting him with my content because I label it as role play, as Grand Theft Auto, as all this other stuff mm. that is designed to get people like John Smith to watch my content. Um, he's scrolling through his phone. But if my thumbnail doesn't basically punch him in the face as soon as he sees it, he's just going to scroll straight past it. Yeah. Um, or even if my thumbnail looks pretty good and he goes, oh, what's this about? My title just said, you know, I hit a tree and this happened. He's going to go, just go, nope, not interested, gone. You know, see you later. Or if my thumb, if my title has nothing to do with my thumbnail, mm. vice versa, he's just going to scroll straight past. Yeah. So it's it's my job as a creator to do my best to market that video with these two things that somebody will look at when they are scrolling through their phone: mm. the thumbnail and the title. And if I don't, if I get one of those wrong, I don't get any views. Mm. Um, and actually, and I can give you some you know specific examples most recently about that. Like I said, I've said about the the Forza Motorsport video that you know it hasn't done particularly well, um, and it did get a thumbs down as well. The title for that was "Welcome to Forza." Um, the thumbnail is a picture of cars going around a racetrack, which I've doctored slightly to make it brighter and a bit more poppy. Um, but in terms of actually how I would create a thumbnail for that video, I really struggled with it. Um, and the subsequent thoughts of video that I made after that, which did even worse than the first one. Um, again, the thumbnail is a bright poppy car in a fairly plain-ish background. Yeah. Uh, again, because I wanted the car to pop out. That's what I wanted. Mm. Um, and the title of it was Overcooking the Corners, I think I called it, mm -hmm. um, because I basically spent the entire video crashing through corners because I was approaching them too fast. Um, in you know, in racing terms, um, but because my thumbnail, and now I've thought about it, the thumbnail has nothing to do with that title. If I'm called that overcooking corners, my thumbnail should actually be something of you know, my you know, a picture of a car on a racetrack driving off of a corner because it's clearly gone too fast, yeah. And then, you know, again, something with a shocked face, yes, or something that's going to make you know, force the viewer to go. Oh, oh, what actually happened there? I need to go and find out beyond someone just crashing out of corners. Um, and they might find that then compelling. But like I say, if either of those two things are wrong, John Smith down the road is just going to scroll straight past it. So mm. it's my job as the creator to market that as best I can. And they're the two things to do it with. Mm. Mm. You can take that with anything, you know, however you want to think about that. You know, that's like I say, they're, they're racing games, they're role play games. Um, I want to do some driving simulator type games. So there's like there's a game called American Truck Sim. Um, so you basically get to simulate being a truck driver. Great. Sounds I actually really enjoy it. I find it incredibly relaxing. Um, I haven't made any content on it yet because actually those kind of videos require a bit more commentary and I'm not really a commentator when it comes to videos. Uh, I just you know, there's only so much I can say. You know, beyond oh, I've just shifted gear, and no, nobody wants that. It's boring. People will just click away from that incredibly quickly. 
Um, so well, the, one, the one thing that you have got though is um, a, a lot of a lot of content created. What ginger beard? You have got well. I you, used to have a ginger beard. You used to have a ginger beard. You, you're um, until the tragic accident. Tra tra a tragic accident, but um, the one thing that you uh, you have, of course, is with your your genre of videos is there's a lot of people who who show their face in the corner or you know just like their head popping out of um you know mm -hmm. in the middle of the screen sometimes moving about just to create a bit more what's going on yeah. um you don't do that though you you haven't got your face on your channel um but of course that kind of works for for other um for other creators is that something that you might do uh, or, or of course you've got the you've got things like different camera angles or even switching camera view because you've got your cameras set up so that you can view what you're looking at mm -hmm. uh, on your desk and i see people doing that as well um particularly with the with the gaming channels uh i mean does that not kind of help to to sort of personalize it a bit I feel that there, there's a few different things to really talk about there. And I have done face cam on videos before. Um, and when I've gone back to, or when I've rewatched those videos later on, there, there's a few things I think about. It's what do I look like? And it's no big secret. I don't particularly rate my looks that much. I mean, I am overweight. You know, I've, you know, I've got a chin that looks like Peter Griffin's. Um, just with a bit of ginger stubble on right now, but usually I have a bigger beard. But yeah, there was a tragic accident. Um, so I, I don't really rate my look. So when I look at myself in a video, I just think, is, is that something people want to be looking at? Um, but at the same time, I also just think about the value add. And does me showing my face on a video while I'm playing a game, does it provide any value to the viewer? Uh, and quite honestly, for me, I think not. If I was more expressive, um, when playing a game, or if I was more reactive to things, mm -hmm. probably I'd say actually yes. So like again, in a racing simulation game, um, when I do you know completely mess up a corner and crash my car and it, and I scream and go oh you know wave my hands in the air and all this stuff, that could be entertaining. But that's not actually that's not how I play. That's not what I'm like. When I play games, um, so actually, I just don't see the value in me adding my face to to any video. Um, for right now, that may change over time. Um, you know, I I did a couple of I played a couple of horror games, um, actually, which would have been really good to have my face on, um, because I don't do horror. I get scared so easily, and I imagine my facial expressions during while I was playing these games was probably so good. That it would have really made it worthwhile to have my face on the on the videos, but mm. at the time I just didn't want to do it. It just wasn't I wasn't comfortable doing that for myself. Um, yeah, uh, so I didn't. But I think if I did them again, or if someone managed to convince me to play a horror game again, I would potentially put a camera on, you know, to do my face because mm. um, I think that would be quite entertaining. Uh, but yeah, it all comes down to the value of putting your face on there. Some people will do it, and I've watched them and gone, well, all that I'm looking at is just a person in the corner who is acting how I think I act when I play a game, and that's very focused. Just like, you know, you can see the focus in their face, and it's just like, 
you've added nothing to your video for that. And actually, if anything, you've kind of detracted for what's happening on the screen. Because yeah. I'm looking at you down here and trying to figure out what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, it, in those cases, there's no value to it. But like I said, I mean, there's plenty of channels who do show their faces, mm. who show some very nice backgrounds, you know, all lit up in RGB or whatever it is that they mm. do, or mm. they've got their play button behind them, that kind of thing. Um, but they're also really quite expressive. And, you know, I, as you probably say every now and again, I talk with my hands quite a lot. Um, I can't do that when I'm playing a game because I'm playing the game. Yeah, that's true. You know, so my hands don't even come into it. Yeah. Uh, and also when I'm talking while playing a game, I guess my face isn't as expressive as it is right now because I'm focused on the game. Um, but again, you get me into the right kind of game, I imagine I probably would be quite expressive and it would be entertaining. But yeah, I've seen yeah. other people where they've got all this nice stuff and and actually it is entertaining because they are expressive. You know, they're mm. energetic. They're, you know, again, they'll play a kind of game, I don't know, they'll play like Call of Duty where they're shooting everyone and they're all like, yeah, and all that stuff. And then when they get mm -hmm. shot, they go, no, and it's all expression and, you know, and reaction. And that's what makes it entertaining when it's just not what I do. Yeah. Um, the second camera angle, uh, as you mentioned, you know, I do have a second camera that's set up on a, a tripod that I can move around. And they're actually really good for simulation type games. Um, so like I mentioned the driving simulator. Uh, I play flight sims as well. Um, haven't made any content or anything like that for a little while, but it's something I want to get back into. Um, they're really useful, you know, when you have the control sets to play these games effectively. Mm -hmm. So people can see your setup and the controls that you use while you're playing the game when it is quite technical, like a truck driving sim or a flight sim. There's a lot of button buttons to press. When it's just you clicking a mouse around a screen or pressing buttons on a keyboard, and then you're just steering a steering wheel, you know, like Postman Pat as he goes down the road, Postman Pat, um, it's, that's not entertaining. Mm. And that's not, again, there's no value to that. All I'm looking at is just someone moving a steering wheel and then occasionally leaning over that steering wheel to press something on the keyboard. Yeah. Um, that to me is like, well, I guess maybe it's a learning thing. I'm not learning anything out of that because I know I can do that already. You know, I've got a keyboard, I've got a steering wheel. Um, I've got pedals. It doesn't matter. I can do that myself. What I'm interested in is the equipment that they use outside of the normal, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, so there's people you can get like button boxes. Again, thinking about the flight sim and driving sim, you can get like you know, boxes that have like programmable switches and toggles and things. And um, and you kind of look at that and go, well, actually, that's kind of cool. I wouldn't mind looking into something like that. And then it kind of almost drives that keeping up with the Joneses mentality of, you know, Okay, so the next time I play this, I want that because I want the simulation side of it. Yeah. Um, without that kind of stuff, you turn your simulator into or your simulation game footage into a game. Yeah, because okay, you spent a bit of money on a decent steering wheel. Okay, not bad. Um, but you're still using your keyboard and your mouse to do other things. That's just very gamer. Mm. Whereas if you have complete like a full set of control boxes and control surfaces, then actually you've turned it into a simulator. Yeah. You know, you don't need to touch the keyboard, you don't need to touch the mouse because you've got everything programmed in these other controls. Um, and it feels like a simulator and that's more engaging. So if I ever get to that stage, maybe yes, I'll I'll put my my uh, what I call wheel cam back on. Um where I can actually use all of that. But yeah, I think for now, face cam um it's probably not on the cards for me until i lose a lot of weight and suddenly you know turn into um i don't know channing tatum um and become incredibly handsome 
uh, where people just want to watch me for me uh, rather than go, who's this fat idiot with a ginger beard? I mean, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll leave you with uh, my kind of final nuggets of information that I found out for myself. And, you know, I haven't employed all of these, but these are just some things that, that I've really found out um, over time. And it's cut out the silence. If you've got silence in your video, just cut it out. Because um, there was nothing worse than you're, you're watching an instructional video or, you know, even a gaming video to some degree. And there's just a period of silence where nothing happens. Just mm. Get rid of it. Cut it out. Your viewers will like you for that. Mm. Um, and again, it's, it's almost like it's going back to that quick fire, changing camera angles, noise all the time, you know, music, sound effects, da -da -da, all of this stuff. If there's any silence in there, you're going to immediately lose your audience. They're going to be like, oh. Oh, it's over then, and then click away, and they're yeah. they're out, they're gone. Yeah. Um, what else was there? There was one other thing that I was going to say, and it was based off something you just said, and I can't now remember what it was. Um, oh, that was a good thing. Um, yeah. Uh, do your research, and again, th this is definitely a case of do as I say, not as I do, because I've done well. I mean, I've done so much research, and I'm still learning, and I'm still trying to get it right. Um, think about what it is that you want to achieve, and go away and figure out how to do that. So you want to do a particular, I don't know, a transition in your video. You want to learn how to swipe, you know, literally take scene A, scene B and swipe them across from one to the other. Just research it. Go away and learn how to do it. You know, you're always going to be learning as a creator. You're always going to figure out something new that you want to do. Let your creativeness, creative juices run wild. But write everything down. Write down your ideas that you've got, whether it's a transition or a scene or music or a sound effect write it down so you can then go away and find it go away and figure out how to implement that into your video and, and i think more importantly when it comes to the research is if you have a specific idea of what you want to do watch other youtube videos like what you want to do so i have watched no end of grand theft auto 5 role play videos from creators around the world to see not so much what works but what i like yeah. so i can emulate that i can channel these other creators into what i'm doing i can take bits of you know something from this video and something from that video or this creator style that creator style and put it into my video um but really it, it's almost like finding that inspiration for what you want to do if it's a vlog type video watch vlogs mm. think to yourself okay well what would i do a vlog about okay i want to do a vlog about adventures when i walk the dog Great, people love dogs, and that's actually probably going to be really successful if you do that. But watch other vlogs about a similar subject and see what kind of things people are talking about, what kind of things people are doing. And again, but think deeper than just what is immediately in front of you. Think about how they edit that in the background. So once they've recorded everything, because you'll end up with hundreds of hours of footage, how do they edit all those hundreds of hours down into 30-minute episodes? Um, and then think about you know, listen to it really carefully. Have they added sound effects into it, even if it's just ever so subtle in the background mm. that, you know, to Joe Average person watching, they just don't notice it. Um, but to you as a creator and someone who is thinking about all of this, you know, you'll watch your video and you'll be like, there's just something missing. And you'll go back and watch something else and be like, actually, I heard the famous Wilhelm scream. If you don't know what it is, don't Google it, because once you've heard it, you can't unhear it, and you'll hear it everywhere you go. In every video where someone has put a Wilhelm, Wilhelm scream in there, you will hear it, and it is incredibly frustrating sometimes. But sometimes you'll just think, actually, they've put a Wilhelm scream in there for some reason. 
but it works. So maybe that's something I need to think about with my video in a similar scenario. Do I need to put a Wilhelm scream or do I need to put a, a punching sound effect or a, a cartoon running away sound effect? Because that's what I think, you know, but it, and it just remember, it just doesn't have to be in your face. You don't have to put these sound effects and ambient noises and Foley. And um, if you have to do uh, like overdubbing, you don't have to do it. So it's perfect. Or Well, you, have, you want to sort of obviously strive for perfection. You don't have to do these things. So they're so in your face that you lose sight of what's actually happening on screen. Um, and I think that's a really important one. But yeah, do your research is, is kind of my last nugget there. You know, like I say, whether it's the how-to or whether it's just you're searching for inspiration for what you want to do, go away and watch other creators and see what they do. Take your inspiration from that. I'll add to that because the, the beauty of, um, say, the beauty of YouTube is that you can be watching a video and thinking, oh, I really like the way they did that. How did they do that? You work out in your head what it kind of was. What did you What did you see? um and then stick those words back in the search bar at the top and somebody somewhere will have done a video showing you actually how to do that somebody will have done that and you will find out so in the in the space of you know 10 minutes whatever it may be you will discover how to do it and then you can go onto your video editing software or get your sounds or somebody's going to show you how to do it and do it and then put it into your own stuff as well yeah, in your video editing software or even audio editing, if you want to be an audio editor, presets are your friend. Mm. Um, when you do a specific type of edit, um, whether it's a transition or a particular sound effect or you know something that you put in, um, if you can save it as a preset, save it as a preset because then it'll, they'll all appear in one folder called presets, hopefully, depending on your software, um, and you can just call upon them whenever you need one thing I found, there's a transition I use fairly regularly. Um, it's called a uh, a, a whip. Um, mm -hmm. So again, it's you have scene A, scene B, and you want to quickly transition from one to the other. Um, and it does this via a, a whip or a wipe or something. Um, what I found was the default one was too slow. Um, yeah. I wanted it to be really snappy and really punchy. And so I could then put a kind of a whoosh sound effect over the top of it. So it goes like that. And it's um i like that as a transition but i found myself every time i put it in i'd have to go into the controls and make it shorter or make it faster um until i've actually just figured out why don't i just save this as a preset and now it's saved as a preset i can just go into my presets folder and go that's what i want click and drag it's done mm -hmm. i don't have to mess around with it each time anymore and it saves you okay it may save you a few seconds each time but if you think if you use that transition three or four times in one video um you've saved yourself a minute yeah 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 and it all adds up in the end so yeah. presets are your friend absolutely um and, and if you want to know how to set a preset all you need to do is get onto youtube and type in how to set a preset how to create presets yeah and that's the thing and the other bit this is my kind of my final point now is um when you start searching for thing. things just one oh, my Columbo, just one more <laughs> thing um when you actually need a cigar now, just one more thing. Uh, when you start researching how to do things in a video edit uh, or even an audio edit, um, and uh, as you said, Ted, you know, find that everything is available on YouTube. Someone somewhere has had the same question as you at some point, so it's quite easy to find what you need. Um, the first few times you might struggle because you'll be like, well, actually, what is that called? Or how would I describe that? And you're trying to find 
videos that match your description of what's happening rather than the actual thing that's happening. Yeah. Um, what you'll just find is over time, you'll just start to kind of learn the names of these things and and then and really how to optimize your own searching within YouTube. Um, so again, it's like, you know, you'll use words like transition or uh, presets or uh, equalizer or some, some of these words that anyone that knows nothing about anything like that is just they're just words but you will learn actually what they are what they mean what the point of them is um, and you'll start using them in your search terms more and more and it's like you know green screen anything so i i, I used a like a smoke popping effect um on one of my videos and mm -hmm. put a nice little sound effect underneath it um i knew exactly what i was looking for but could i figure out how to word that in youtube not a clue so i literally just went puff of smoke green screen and that was literally all i typed and i think it was the second or third video that came up was exactly what i was looking for and it was just a green screen with a white smoke effect kind of popping out from the middle mm. um and it's like right i'll have that you know and i can load it in i can get rid of the green all of that stuff and yeah you just start to kind of in in your mind you'll you'll start your thought processes will change and your own search terms and what you think you need to be looking for will change mm. and things will become a lot quicker. It's very difficult to be a creator. And I'm not saying that as just a, Oh, woe is me type thing. Um, creating is really difficult. It, it doesn't come because if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. Um, it seems like everyone does it, but you know, not everyone does it. And there's reasons for that because it's, it's time consuming. It's difficult. It's stressful. But once you get it and once you start seeing, fruits of your labor it's worth it mm. i think yeah if you are an aspiring content creator just don't give up keep going no matter what no matter the cost well, i'd say no matter the cost but you know <laughs> we must no matter how many people stopped. have to die exactly you will make it megatron must be stopped no, no matter <laughs> the cost um but it's it's really stressful no matter how much time it takes um no matter how demotivated you feel after sitting down and working on a video for 10 hours to suddenly realize that you haven't saved it and your computer's just crashed. Um, happened to me last week. I was really annoyed, but you... That's happened to me so many times with uh, with the Tuesday show. And, you know, I, I mean, you, you know how complicated that was with lots of things. And then all of a sudden there's a picture of a badger. <laughs> And then it's something else, and then it's yeah. you know uh, a tank. Um, the message is persevere, no persevere. matter what it is. Yeah. Keep going, and it will feel like you're smashing your face. You know, you've shoved two of these free pens that you've got some networking event up your nose and smashed your face against the desk. Um, but genuinely, keep going. For yourself, keep going. You'll you'll feel so good about it afterwards. Do you know what? Whenever if if that ever does happen, it's interesting because when you've when you've worked on something for hours upon hours, and then you go back to it and it's not saved or it's you know cocked up in some sort of a way, and you're like, oh, that was all that work, all those hours of work. Actually, it's so much easier to do it the next time. Mm -hmm. It takes time, but it's so much easier. And when you do it again, actually, you end up with a better product than you would have had in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you, you remember kind of 
what you were going for when you start watching it again it all just kind of floods back to you a bit mm -hmm. and you remember roughly where things were that you wanted to take out yeah. but then it's almost that second look yeah. um and that, and that's the other thing you'll watch your video 100 times or maybe not but like 10 20 times as you're going through the editing process and each time you'll cut something out because you'll just think that's oh, not right or you'll you'll come across something where you go you know, this person's referring back to something else, but I've cut that bit out. So now do I need to go put that back in or do I cut this bit out? But this bit's actually really relevant and really funny or really good. Um, and you end up in this real quandary of what do you do? And mm. it's like, just honestly, just go with your gut and and think about how you would receive it. It's, it's almost like take a step back, mm. take yourself out of your shoes, out of that chair that you've, you've been sat in for the last 10 hours editing Um and just watch it for what it is and go, actually, do I enjoy that? Does it make sense? Um, is it something that I would watch on YouTube? And would I be happy with it? You know, is If there's something missing, what is missing? Um, but also at the same time, and it sounds counterintuitive, but it is another piece of advice that I've, I've been told and I've seen, is you will labor over your first project for days, weeks, and you'll never be happy with it. Never. Just put it out there. Yeah. Just find a cutoff where if you watch it and you think for a first-time creator, which people in the YouTube community understand, your first project is never good. Put yourself in their position. They know you're a first-timer. It's your first video. You've even maybe even called it my first video from Playmobil or whatever. Um it's not going to be good. Mm. Just put it out there. And you'll feel so much relief just by putting it out there um, for people to watch. And you will either get engagement or you won't. And then the key is to learn from anything you can from that video. And it's you use your analytics. Yeah. Um, your retention graph is so, so important in that, in that one. Um, assuming you get enough views, which hopefully you will over time, you'll get enough views, to, you'll get a retention graph, and you'll see where people are dropping out. And you can see in that video what you know what happened there, and you can go, okay, well, I won't do that anymore. Or indeed, if people have rewound to watch more, and you'll see a little spike in your graph, what happened there? Great, let's do more of that. Use the analytics to to your advantage, um, and just don't be afraid to put stuff out. Yes, it's the internet. Yes, it's a savage place, and people can be horrible, um, but you'll find that anywhere you go. Um, have the resilience to just ignore those people and get on with project number two. And that was Jerry's final thought. It really was. <laughs> what... Jay doesn't stand for Jerry, by the way. I just want to point that out. Yeah. What is your um what are your socials and what is your YouTube channel or channels? Social wise, I, I'm not even I'm not gonna give you my social media because I don't use them. Um I've struggled over the years with social media and I don't think I'm in any, any position to say I'm going to be using it, even though I say it every time I'm gonna get back into it. I don't. Um so I won't give you that. I'll just give you the link to my YouTube channel, which is uh just go onto YouTube, type in at CJ Brooks, um, and you'll find my gaming channel or at CJ Brooks POV, and you'll find my second channel. Uh, which is more of a vlog type channel. Um, as of recording this, there is only one video there. And it's because, like I've just said to you, I've been fighting with this video for so long, thinking, do I even want to put it out? And I'm like, yes, no, yes, no. I've I've made I've made it public. I've then taken it down again. I've then put it back up again and then taken it down again. 
um, because I'm just not happy with it. But it's live. Go and watch it, please. Anyone that's got to the to the end of this <laughs> this particular podcast, uh, if you've done that, then go one step further. Go to CJ Brooks POV. Yeah, uh, and watch that video and give it a thumbs up. Yeah, Brooks with an E, by the way. Brooks with an E. K E S. Yeah, um, everyone gets that wrong. That Don't would ask be Brooksy, why. wouldn't it? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Um. Okay. Hey, uh, hey Brooksy. Brooksy. <laughs> <laughs> C J Brooks FM. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show, and we will uh, see you again. You'll come back. We'll have an update. We'll see where you're going with the POV. We'll see how many, how many thumbs up you did get. Um, and I'm going to go and give it a thumbs up. Um, thanks, Ted. In, in a in a moment or two. Yeah. Well, thanks remember. for ha- <laughs> thanks for having me. No, thanks for having me. Genuinely, Ted, it's been a, a real pleasure being here, and I'm so glad that you know we've both gone and found our creative you know outlets um, that we both craved so much. And and as you say, hopefully. Um, we may see the return of the infamous Tuesday show in season five in uh, 2024. Coming to um, a, even though yeah, we should have set of beers near you. Yeah, we should have timed that a bit better though, and maybe you know gone for called that one season four. Just ignore the previous season four or whatever's coming in 2024 season four, just so we can keep it in our head. Um, what season, season we're on? 2024 season four. Or we'll just call it you know financial year 25 in 2024. That was a call back to right at the start of the show. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. That was a conversation recorded on the 18th of December 2023, or 2023, you could say, with CJ Brooks. Thanks ever so much to CJ for coming on the show, and we'll look forward to hearing from him again. If you've got anything to say about this episode, please do get in the comments. And if you've got more to say and want to be on the show, please do get in touch. You can DM me at Ted James Media on all the socials. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe and the little bell as well so that you're the first to know when a new video drops. And until the next podcast, goodbye. <laughs>